and welcome to the Let's Talk Nova podcast. My name is Eilish and I am joined here by the wonderful Ina Maher, all the way from Tipperary, back home in Ireland. Ina is a former teacher, life and creative coach who has recently returned to Ireland in the last 18 months. She lived in Abu Dhabi and taught there for three years and was in Melbourne for over one year. So welcome, Ina, to the podcast. Thanks, Ailish. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to have you on. And um, I suppose we've had many voice notes in the last few days. I think we're going to have plenty to talk about. Yeah, no, I think we've got loads to chat about. Um, I do love I do love a good voice note um, and I love a good chat so looking forward to it I swear like if my friends heard our voice notes because they'd be like oh Ailish is only delighted because I am like the same as you I just love voice notes I think there's no better way to communicate <laughs> same and I think it came actually from living abroad because with time difference and things like that voice notes were the handiest way to be able to talk to people at home and have feel like you're having a proper chat with them, even when phone calls were like really hard to organize. So true. And it doesn't put pressure on people to actually be on like a Zoom call at this specific time. They can reply the next day and listen to your voice note properly. You know, yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. Every I think every walk to a train station in Melbourne for work, I felt like I had somebody from home walking with me, listening to their voice notes in the morning. So I loved it. Oh, oh it is cool. No, I love it. It is a great form of communication. So, Ina, would you like to share with our listeners how our paths have crossed? Yeah, so I suppose, well, I actually remember meeting you in Abu Dhabi, but your memory is much better than mine. So you go far, you go as far back as Fiona when we were in Irish college back in, oh my God, I was in transition year anyway. Um, but my memory is so bad that, you know, some of these things feel like a dream. But we do go back a long way, technically. <laughs> We do, we do. I, I'm such a weirdo. I remember meeting you in Abu Dhabi and I remember thinking, I was like, I know her from the Gwiltup. I was like, oh my gosh. I love it. I love when I meet people from long ago, like from like, God, long ago. Jesus, I swear, I sound like Peg Sayers. Um, <laughs> but like, there's so many people you cross paths with from our days in Irish college. Like, it's mad how many people you meet and you don't realise so many have come out mm. to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, no, it's... Well, it would be great if I could actually remember people, but um, no, it is lovely. It is lovely when you go abroad and you bump into people and that you cross paths with years ago and you're like, oh, well, you know, we're here now in the same part of the world, connecting in a totally different context. It's very cool. It is. It is very cool. So, Ina, tell us about your own expat journey and how it began. Um. So I was teaching in Limerick. So I was secondary school English and PE teacher. I was out about two years and um, I was teaching in Limerick. I was getting on fine and um, got dumped and um, was like, oh, I was supposed to go abroad. And then I was like, mm, don't think I can go now. And then my mom was like, are you going to not go to some city across the world to have an amazing experience because of some boy? And I was like, absolutely no not you're right I'm 100% going so went out Abbey for a year as everybody does ended up staying for three um you know had an amazing experience over there did all the traveling that you know we get to do over there made some amazing friends that you know I I'm still really really close to now and 
you know, there's so many of us here in Ireland, actually, that it's it's been really nice having, you know, those connections that you made abroad all kind of close together and um, back on home soil. That has been that has been pretty cool. Um, and then I suppose my time in Abu Dhabi just kind of came to like a natural end. I kind of knew going into the third year, I was like, mm, I think I'm ready to move on. And that was good, I think good it was helpful because I was like okay this is my last year what do I want to do in this last year and I felt like I was working towards like this natural end but I didn't know where I wanted to go next I just knew I was kind of my time was up in the UAE but I didn't know where the next step was going to be I also knew that I wasn't ready to go home so oh I was going to Vietnam I was going to New Zealand I was going I had about four different plans of where I was going to go and I ended up going to Australia and that was was not on the cards at all, to be honest. Um, I don't even know how how it ended up being where I went. But yeah, I just kind of jumped. I went, didn't know how long I was going for again um, and could have stayed for, I think, a really long time had I gone there maybe earlier in my traveling journey. Um, but ended up staying for just over a year in Melbourne stayed there worked there loved it as a city um yeah and got back then to Ireland Christmas just before Christmas 2019 so about three months before pandemic hit um so yeah I've been home about 18 months now I suppose right and did you teach in Melbourne when you got there no, I didn't. I kind of went to Melbourne and I I knew I didn't want to teach. I wanted to try something different. I had done a postgrad in mental health of children. I wanted to get into kind of the mental health space. Um, didn't realize actually how difficult it was to get work there on a working holiday visa. Um, it was something that I kind of just, yeah, I was a bit naive to going over because um, there's these six months restrictions and things like that in terms of staying in the one or you have to, you have to move on to a different company or organization after six months um but I was really really lucky I ended up getting a job um I actually got an interview with for this role it's called a youth pathways counselor so I was working with um young people who hadn't finished school for whatever reason like 16 to 24 year olds a lot of them were refugees asylum seekers young people who are homeless or you from indigenous communities um, and I was kind of supporting them in their goals and education and employment but I literally only got into that role because they didn't realize what visa I had when they gave me the interview. <laughs> so it was only at the very end of the interview that the who went, the guy who ended up being my manager um, realized that I didn't have the visa he thought I had. And I was like, oh, there's my shot gone. Anyway, he fought for me and I ended up getting that role. And it was an amazing experience, like worked with really, really inspiring young people um and got to know young people who had these like unbelievable journeys and yeah it was just um it was yeah I was really really glad the way it worked out Mm -hmm. um and I think that kind of made my time in Melbourne um you know career-wise I did all the other things that you know people do when they go over there and I got my white card to going to do traffic control or be a spotter working the building sites make money you know do that that kind of thing 
I did all of those. And sometimes I think, you know, fate just intervenes. Like the day I got all of those certs and had spent all the money on them and I finished, you know, all of the little courses that literally that day I got the call to say I got the interview for this role. So, you know, sometimes things just, I suppose, work out the way they're meant to work out. Wow. That's more than a coincidence for sure. Mm. Yeah. So that that job was, you know, a really, really good experience. Um, and they were actually going to sponsor me uh, to stay. So it was a big call when I decided to when I decided to leave um, and decided to turn down the sponsorship. Um, but again, sometimes, you know, timing and things just things just feel right. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you just have to kind of follow that. And before we touch on you deciding to leave, do you mind me asking, how did Abu Dhabi and Melbourne differ with the experience of being an expat? I thought it was totally different in so many ways. Um, I think I was really naive going there. I was like, you know, I've lived abroad. I've lived in Abu Dhabi. This mm. is fine. I can go to Australia on my own. Um, but when I went to Abu Dhabi, there was people already there that I knew I ended up like the, I went over with two people who I kind of knew I ended up in a school with lots of people around the same age you know who were starting new as well it was so easy to meet for, make friends you know what it's like the community there is so tight-knit um it just felt it was easier to settle in to Abu Dhabi than it was to settle into Melbourne when I went to Melbourne I was on my own I knew I knew one or two people over there, um, but you are really far away, <laughs> not just geographically, but you are just, it just feels really far away. You know, when you're in Abu Dhabi, you know that you can get on a flight, you know, and you can go home. You can go home for a weekend if you really, really need to. And I think I said to myself, you know, it's the same in Australia. You know, it's only just, you know, it's just a longer flight, but it's not, it's not the same thing. You can't come home as easy. Um, and I definitely had to work a lot harder to find, you know, people that I really, really connected with. And I had to really put myself out there a lot more. I never felt the loneliness in Abu Dhabi that I felt in Australia. Right. Like I didn't have that. Like I had really, I think in Australia, I had massive highs mm -hmm. and I had really, really low lows. And I feel like in the UAE, it was more like a constant kind of, yeah, I don't know what, I don't know if the highs were as high or if the lows were as low. Yeah. And I can obviously only speak to my own experience. But um, yeah, I definitely, I felt far away in Australia. Um, and I felt loneliness like I've never experienced it before. But I also connected with people, you know, really, really deeply because you are so far away. And, be, and that was the same, I suppose, in Abu Dhabi. You're, you know, the people that you meet become your family you know you you connect with people on a different level because you are all each other has you yeah. know and that's really really powerful it is you just hit the nail on the head it is so powerful it is it's 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 a bond like no other it's so hard to describe to people who haven't experienced it when when complete strangers become your family mm -hmm. halfway around the world yeah no it is very powerful so do you think Ina that in Melbourne you had to push yourself further out of your comfort zone. Yeah, 100%. 100%. It just wasn't as easy. You arrive in Abu Dhabi, you had, I got 
collected at the airport and brought to my apartment. You know, I had my job set up. But when I went to Melbourne, you know, and I actually it was easy in lots of ways in terms of I was lucky that I, I did get collected at the airport, you know, and I, I did get put up for a while. And that was amazing. But you still have to go and find a job. And I would say I applied for definitely over 100 jobs and I got one interview and I was overqualified for a lot of those jobs I was applying for. But I just didn't realize that the visa thing was so much of an issue. So that was hard, like because you're you're just like pushing through. It's like, will I just go back teaching? I was like, no, no, no. Go with what you, you know, try and get that experience that you want to give it another month. And you have to, you know, you're living with randomers. You're back to house sharing. You are moving in with complete strangers. You, you know, um, I used to go on friend dates. Like my friend Morgan used to be laughing at me. He's like, oh, how many friend dates do you go on this week? And I was like, two. And I'm going to keep going on friend dates until I meet, you know, my people. Um, And I think that was, it was a lesson for me that I had to be intentional. If I wanted these deep connections with people and if I wanted to really find, um, you know, people that I could, because it's easy to find people you can have the crack with at 12 o'clock at night in the pub, but it's a different story when you sit down in front of them at lunchtime on the Wednesday to have a coffee and have a chat. And then you realize actually, you know what, when we're, when we're not drunk, we actually have very little to talk about. Um, so it was, I was very intentional about settling in over there. I was very intentional about finding people. I went to, you know, I read my poetry at an open night, an open mic night after about two weeks there, you know, I, I text my friend and I was like, I'm doing this tonight. I'm not telling you where it's on. I'm not telling you anything about it because you're not coming. But I just want you to text me at 10 o'clock and ask me if I've done it because I wanted that accountability. So I was really intentional about, you know, giving it a shot and put myself out there and having this new experience. Um, and I'm glad that I did that because I feel like I, um, in that year, I feel like I, I got you know, I got to know myself better. I did push myself outside my comfort zone and I was really brave. And I'm kind of, I'm really proud of that looking back. I'm proud of Ina of 2018, you know, for being brave and for doing those things. I just made a note here just to let you know, I think you're so courageous. Like you're so candid how you speak about your experience. Like you, I can hear that, that, courageous vulnerability that Brene Brown talks about. And I know me and you talk about Brene Brown over and back on our DMs. Um, I, I can hear it there, it's there, like you live in courageous vulnerability and it's a credit to you. Like honestly, I, I admire it. Thank you. Well, it, Brene Brown has been a massive influence on me, like as, as you know, and uh, yeah, I just think that there's such power in, it doesn't feel vulnerable now because I have, I feel like it's, it's I've internalized that uh, that in some ways and I feel like talking candidly about my experience now doesn't feel as scary as it has done before and you know I think it's worth it mm-hmm. in terms of connecting with people 100% yeah I think so I love it I love it so Ina tell us you know how did you make the decision then to leave Melbourne when you've been offered a sponsorship to live there? It's really funny, actually, because at the time, I thought I made this decision quite suddenly. You know, I thought that this was this very kind of quick decision 
I remember calling my friend and I was like, oh, I've actually got some news for you tonight. And uh, I was like, I'll just tell you later on, you know. And I met him and I told him that I was I was leaving, you know, and I, I was going home. And he didn't react in any big way. And I was like, oh, well, thanks very much. You know, I, I thought you'd be a little bit more like surprised or disappointed or any of those like give me something here and he was like you know I knew this was coming like this has been coming for the last six months really um so I thought that was quite interesting that from the outside it was very obvious that I was um you know quite torn and conflicted about staying or going um but in some ways I was clearly oblivious to how much that was you know on top of me so that decision um came about even though I feel like the final decision was sudden it probably was coming in like lots of little kind of incremental ways so you know every time I got a letter from my nana saying are you finished gallivanting now it like hit home a little bit harder you know I'm so close to my grandmother like she is my favorite person in the world and you know every time I got that letter and we I used to get she says that she's been saying this for years but it was just starting to like crack a little bit more, you know, every time a friend got engaged or I was missing a wedding or missing something at home that I was feeling a little bit more. Um, and, you know, family member got sick. I was like, Oh, you're not there. And just a couple of things happened like that. And I spent, even though, as I mentioned, the highs were really, really high. I spent too many days feeling low. And, you know, thinking about home and and that is, look, that's natural. It's natural when you're away to have those days and to feel homesick at times and to feel lonely. That's really, really natural. But for me, there was too much of my time spent over there thinking about being elsewhere. So I wasn't like, how much was I enjoying my time there if I'm constantly thinking, should I be at home? Should I be at home? Should I be at home? Um, and for me, it was just all of those little things like added up and you know we had a death at home it's just too many of those things I wasn't there for and I was like no the the time has come I want to come home I want to put down some roots I want to feel what it's like to be in a place and know I'm going to be there for longer than a year I want to go home and go on a date with somebody and not be trying to figure out what visa they're on (laughs) you know um I wanted to come home and get a job and you know, fit or not even get a job, but figure out where my career was going to go, you know, and be able to think about it in a long-term way. And I didn't feel like I was able to do that in Australia. I felt like there'd been a lot of years of just like everything was one year, one year, one year. And for me, the time had come where I was like, no, I want to be able to, you know, be in the same place for longer than that. Ina, when you say the roots and I know we've spoken about ourselves over the messages but like even the way you put it like um that that one year the rollover the one year like people in Abu Dhabi and probably Australia I'm not that clued into Australia I can definitely see how there's a lot to be said for not having to think of am I going to sign a contract again for another year am I going to stay here for another year there's a lot to be said for knowing that okay I'm going to be in this location this country for the foreseeable Mm. And it probably doesn't make it easier to, obviously it does. I know this is kind of a rhetorical question, but it it does probably make it easier to make career plans and personal goals. You know what? It's funny that you ask that question and that you say, obviously it does, right? Because it 
does when your mindset is that you're putting down roots. And I think for me, it actually, even though I did, I'm saying this, that this is, these were my thoughts at the time. I spent the first, the, not the first couple of months, after about three months, I spent about eight months, oh, looking up one way flights to Bali. You know, so there was still in my mind, there was still an other, there was still a, oh, maybe not, maybe, you know, will I go again? There's still a, there was still an itch. So you can be in the location and still not put down the roots, you know, but I think that comes, I think that's, that's a mindset thing. Yeah. I actually think, to be honest, if I look back, that was a reason for me to come home, but I don't think, I don't know, was it a hundred percent true? Like I could have, like the experience I got in Australia stood to me here. I started my business, my coaching business over there, and I was able to continue it here. So really that was, that was a, that was a reason that I told myself I needed to come home, but I don't know how true, like, I don't know how close to reality that actually was. You can work, you know, you can set goals, you can work on a career path, you can do that from anywhere. And especially the way things are gone online now. So that was a driving force for me, not necessarily. Um, I won't say it wasn't valid because it felt valid, but it wasn't necessarily fact. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, you're you're just yeah. This is so cool. I'm just getting so enthralled by this conversation. Um, I'm even forgetting we're recording a podcast, to be honest. I'm so like, I just love it. Um so talk us through the, the, those initial weeks. So, you know, like the, I suppose the build up to the goodbyes in Melbourne and then the, the, the plane home and landing. It's actually funny because my parents and my sister had booked three weeks in Australia. Uh, so I ended up following them home like two weeks after they came over. Wow. Um, so and I wouldn't mind, but my parents talk about doing all these things and I never expected it would happen. But I'm so glad they did book it because they could have easily thought they would have had more time with me over there. Um, so that kind of actually distracted a little bit from the, the long goodbye, you know, because I had a three week gap where I went traveling with them. And then I came back. I actually extended my flight. I, uh, I put it off for a week, so I wasn't quite ready. <laughs> I did another week of goodbyes and festivals and the crack, you know, it was brilliant. Um, it... At the time felt really right, you know, um, even though I say that I did extend it and I did question, will I extend it for another couple of weeks? You know, there, there are, there's always doubts, but no, it did feel right. Um, and as much as it felt right, when my friends dropped me off at the airport and the doors closed behind me, I just crashed. It was like that. It was like I didn't realize that there had been this adrenaline for probably six months like this push and pull, will I stay, will I go, what do I want to do, making a decision, visas, no visa, home, all of these things, like we're obviously taking up a huge amount of my energy. And I didn't realize that until like the doors in the airport closed and I just started crying and I could not stop crying. I could not stop crying. And I purposely didn't get any of the girls to drop me to the airport. I got two of my male friends because I was like, they won't, there won't be any tears there. They won't be crying. They'll give me a hug and they'll go and it'll be fine. And it was fine until I got him to the airport. And it was like a physical, um, you know, I had no control over the tears. They just kept coming. 
the guy the guy behind the counter was like you're three kg over and I was like oh I'm gonna have to get rid of three kg I just couldn't stop crying you know I'd say some I'd say god help us they thought I was going home like for a funeral or something because I was that upset um but I couldn't understand why I was crying this much because I was like I don't think I'm making the wrong decision here so I think it was just evidence maybe of how how much actually goes into deciding on these on on these moves you know how much emotional um bandwidth is taken up by deciding you know and then I think the the closing of the door in the airport meant the decision was made you've made your decision now Ina you can that so no longer do you need this adrenaline rush to drive you to keep going now you can now you can actually you're going like Mm -hmm. and then it hit me and obviously like that's where the tears came from um it's funny when I look back and now the the person beside me on the on the flight just kept giving me tissues she's so lovely Aww. and I eventually stopped crying um but it's but, like you had a massive energy release like mm-hmm. it was like you said that adrenaline was just built up for so long it just was compounded for that last remaining few months that like even I can actually I can create a, a picture in my mind of the doors closing like it's like even the metaphor of it being so fine mm-hmm. you know um yeah, it sounds like such such an emotional release you had. But yeah, you can understand how it was cathartic for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was really hard to explain um, as an experience because I was honestly ringing my friends being like, I don't know why I can't stop crying. But even as I was talking to them, like still like sobbing, like it was just, yeah, it was a physical thing. It was, it was, um, yeah, like you said, a catharsis a cathartic kind of experience I suppose really um but yeah like and even then I came home I came home just before Christmas so you know you have that lovely Christmas time you know feels like you're on holidays anyway um I was really lucky I had a room in Dublin my friend um somebody moved out my friend's house so I had a room ready and waiting for me which was amazing so I didn't even have to do like any of the the house searching I didn't have a job and didn't really know what I was going to do um so spent kind of the first couple of months doing a bit of subbing here and there um, working on my own business and um, deciding again, was I going to go with that full time or what was I going to do? And then about in about March, I ended up getting a job with the youth mental health organization. And uh, the same week I got was starting the job, uh, everything locked down for because of COVID. So I feel like looking back, I never those first couple of months, like I was broke coming home. You know, I had done so much drinking and partying before I left Australia that when I came home, I was like mm, allergic, don't want to do any of that. But I'll just wait until, you know, I'll kind of get back into that now when I get a job and, you know, I'll join a gym when I get a job. I'll do all of these things when I get my regular job and I know where I'm going to be. And then I was working remotely for, well, since then. So I feel like I didn't really get a chance to experience Dublin for what it could be. Um, I feel like it, it it obviously was a really weird time to come home, you know, and a really weird time to settle in. Um, and that's why I'm really glad that we're talking about this today as well, is because people talk a lot about settling in when you move abroad, but I don't think people talk enough about settling back in when you come home. Um, and 
I do think it's important to talk about it because when you leave, there's like this acknowledgement that you're going away, you're doing this brave thing, you're doing this scary thing, you're going to have to make new friends, you're going to have to do all of these things. So people expect you to be adjusting. People expect it to be hard. Um, and they talk openly about that. But I don't think it's the same when you come back because there's a lot of shoulds in play. You know, you should be getting, you should be so grateful because you're back and you're around your family. You should be settling back in because you've lived here for your whole childhood and teenage years and whatever. So you should know what it's like to live here. You should, 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 should. And then if you don't manage your expectations and you expect that you should feel a certain way, when you actually are in this, the midst of the adjustment period that is settling back in, it's, there's challenges there. Um, and it can be hard to talk about it for lots of different reasons. Um, but there's, it's less, it's, it's, it can nearly come as a surprise that it is hard, you know? Because it's that feeling of, I suppose, like, I think we as expats romanticize Ireland when we look out the window and we're landing in Dublin airport and we have the green fields and we put it on our Instagrams and we're like home hearts and we're all delighted you know and like we do have a romanticized idea of coming home like I know I do sometimes I do look at it with rose tinted glasses but then I suppose the shininess it, it's not there forever you know the novelty does fade and reality hits yeah it's interesting though you've put that because I think we do romanticize Ireland when we come home on holidays mm. and I wonder how much we romanticize it when we move home because in my experience and from talking to a couple of people who have moved back they had a lot of a sense they had a, a sense that actually moving home felt like the end of something. It felt like this settling down, this end of traveling, this um, kind of finite, um, you know, time to calm yourself down now and, you know, less adventure and less freedom. And you're figuring out now what you want to do when you have your feet on the ground. And, you know, that all seems quite final in some way. Um, so yes, absolutely. You come back first. There's a novelty. Everyone is excited to see you. You're excited to be back. And then, yeah, there is a reality. And then that reality can be scary because that reality can be, is this it? Yeah. Yeah. That, that... It's a perspective thing. I, when yeah. I say, you know, is this it? They're the thoughts I had and they're the thoughts, you know, I know friends have had. Um, but it's a perspective thing, you know? Yes, some people want that. People are like, yeah, I want my bubble to burst. I want, <laughs> I want all of those things. You know, I want that settling, whatever the settling down looks like for, <laughs> you know, for all of us. But I also think that moving home doesn't have to be this like end of anything. You know, I think it can be the start of a new adventure, you know. Um, just because we're in Ireland doesn't mean that we can't travel to other okay right at the moment <laughs> at the moment that's pretty limited but if we talk outside of COVID <laughs> um it doesn't mean that we can't um that we can't travel it doesn't mean that we suddenly have to stop going out and we have to um you know uh find a partner and get married and have a child immediately mm -hmm. um you know that's not it, it that doesn't you still have all of the choices that you have 
when you're abroad, when you come home, you know, you can still like my approach to coming home was I am going to treat moving to Dublin the same way I would treat moving to Melbourne, moving to Abu Dhabi or moving to like any other city in the world. I'm going to look and see, okay, where are um, the opportunities to meet kind of new people? I write. So I was like, okay, I've joined a writing group. Um, you know, I like have I now like half the country go sea swimming and I, you know, there's people I go swimming with, you know, they're it's exciting being back in Ireland too, because you get to have those different adventures. Um, but you also live, well, like for me, I'm two hours from home and my nana was in hospital recently. And for me to be able to go down and see her, you know, pop down and see her for a weekend. Um is unreal um, and I'm so excited for things to open up in Ireland again so I can actually see experience what Dublin is like and so I can you know um, go traveling around Europe and you know explore again but moving home doesn't have to mean an end to anything it just does depend on what your perspective is and what your if you come back and you go straight back into the way things were when you left, however many years ago, um, and you go straight back in, like, obviously some people will go back into the same job and that's fine. But if you go slip straight back in to the exact same routine, the exact same, you know, place, role, people, um, way you were living, then yeah, it's going to feel like, geez, well, did those, did those years even happen in the middle, you know? And then you're, there then you may experience like this sense of oh like regret like I feel like I've regressed or I feel like I've um oh that it that end thing you know that is this it that's when you might feel it but if you come back and you treat the place like an adventure you treat um moving home as this you know new opportunity then it can be a very different experience and I like how you put that. Um, like, I think we need to hear more of that. Like us as expats on the other side, I think we we crave a little bit more of that. And I know we just touched on, I suppose, romanticizing Ireland. But aside from like the, the romanticizing part of it, we need to hear more about looking at moving home, like you said, as an adventure and having that different perspective. And even like when you speak about your Nana, like that, I'm sure that moment of you coming home to Tipperary and spending a weekend with her, I'm sure when you see her, that makes it all worth it. That's a priceless moment. Like you, you wouldn't have that opportunity if you were in Melbourne or Abu Dhabi, you know, and having that opportunity to decide, oh, I'm going to go away home now for the weekend and spend time with my grandmother. Like it is those moments that make it worth it, you know. Yeah. And, you know, one of the kind of strategies I suppose that I would use with clients when we be talking about dealing with change is the four P's. And I think we've touched on two of them there. And one of them is purpose. Like what opportunity or kind of purpose can be found in this situation? Like, where's the meaning here? And, you know, what can I learn from it? Why is it why is it worth pushing through this discomfort? Um, and that's one of the places where I get purpose. I'm like, well, it's worth pushing through the discomfort of settling back in um, 
because I get to go down and visit my Nana when she's unwell or when she's well, you know, I get to see, I get to spend time with my family and that's easy and I'm not missing out on things. Um, I also get to come back and experience Ireland with all of the, um, you know, new life experience and change of perspective that I have kind of gained over the years of being away. Like I get to see Ireland with whole new eyes you know, and that's exciting. That feels purposeful. That feels like my travels had meaning now because it has added to my life here. And the second P there is that power piece. So looking at what you can control versus what you can't control, you know, and there are certain things you can't control when you move home, but there are lots of things that you can control. And um, like asking yourself, what, what do you need? You know, like, what do I need? And how can I find this here? You know, like sometimes it feels like it's the place you miss. But actually, if you sat back and really like questioned that, well, is it actually the place I miss or is it the community I miss? Is it that feeling of belonging because I knew everybody there and because, you know, I knew I, I had people who were up for doing things, you know, every evening and every weekend, you know. Um, and if that's the case, if that's what you're missing, then like it's within your control to try and find that here. Maybe your friends here aren't available as easily as your friends in Abu Dhabi were, but go on meetup, go like on hikes with random people that, you know, there's literally groups there, you know, women between uh, 20 and 40 who like going for hikes in the West of Ireland. Like literally there are meetup groups for everything, you know, join, join a club um, you know, reconnect with people you haven't talked in a while and, find those like-minded people or find those people who have that available time and find that connection. You know, maybe it's a connection you need to yourself. You know, that's within your power to do that. Maybe you need to come back to yourself a bit, you know. Is it the place you miss or is it the sense of adventure and feeling of freedom? Well, you can still have a sense of adventure and a feeling of freedom here in Ireland, you know. So does that mean you book yourself in on a flight to Lisbon for the weekend on a solo adventure for you know two months time and you have that to look forward to does that mean that you you know try something very different here so coming back to like that sense of what you can control um and really questioning what is it I need right now you know what is it I really really need at my core and what can I do to give myself that yeah god I love that um strategy you have the four p's can you tell just remind me what they all stand for the four of them so the first one would be permission so permission giving yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling you know because and especially when it comes to the context of moving home you know there can be massive shame and guilt about struggling when you come home because like we said already you know the shoulds should be grateful about being with family things like that and if you verbalize that feeling of you know sadness to be home maybe if you verbalize that to maybe family members or like friends from home uh, it mightn't go down well <laughs> it might get you know they might take it personally um, or you might feel like you can share that with them because you might be afraid you'll hurt their feelings for example um, because it might sound you might be afraid okay it sounds to them I'm saying like it was better when I was away mm. you know um, when it's not actually a personal thing, it's not to do with them. You, you can be two things at the same time. You can be really, really grateful to be near your family and you can still really miss where you've, where you've 
you know, Melbourne or the UAE or wherever it is, you know, you can, we're complex human beings, you know, two things can be true at once. So giving yourself permission to feel like, actually, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Actually, geez, I thought I was going to not feel lonely when I was at home, but actually I still feel lonely. And that can be like, there's, there can be realizations there the same way that you can go abroad and think, oh, I won't have my problems when I go abroad. And then you realize your problems are still with you. Yeah. You know, that can be there when you come home too. <laughs> so yeah. like all of those things can be really hard. So give yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling and find a space to express it. You know, I went back to counseling when I came home and I, I'm such a big proponent for counseling for therapy. Yeah. Like I was able to have a space where I could explore all those things that were coming up. I could talk to somebody who had no connection to anybody, like to my family, to my friends. I could say things and not feel guilty about it um, and know that nobody's feelings were getting hurt or that it wasn't going to get back to them. Um, and, you know, I could express those feelings. So number one, giving yourself permission to feel whatever you're feeling and space to express it, because that's important. And number two is kind of, is linked to that is patience you know and that's patience with those feelings they might not go away within a couple of days or a couple of weeks you know they might hang around or they might not be there when you get home at all first and then in three months time they might crop up so give yourself like have some patience with yourself manage your expectations you know um there will be an adjustment period and it'll be different for everybody um so have patience with yourself and mm -hmm. um, with that experience and then the third p is uh purpose so where is that this meaning where's the learning and um, what is the purpose of this situation for me and the last one is power so taking back your power in the situation and if anybody is interested in reading more about that if they um go to my website and we can, i'm sure we can put it in the show notes after it but um there's like a free resources section and i've done out like a down a free download on you know the four p's <laughs> but it was literally I didn't actually have the framework when I came home or, but then I realized afterwards that's exactly what I did and that they were the key components to helping me actually settle in when I went abroad and settle in when I came home. Well, I'll definitely be planning to download that whenever I return home in case I need it. Thank you, Ina. You're so good to even like, to even consolidate your learning and to, um, to look at it uh, how am I trying? I can't articulate what I'm trying to say. To be able to look at what your experience was moving home objectively and repurpose that into a strategy of the four P's is that's amazing. And it obviously is a marker of your growth, you know, like of you and how you're able to objectively look at it now. And I'm curious, like, of all the challenges, let's say, what was the hardest challenge about coming home? The hardest thing for me was to stop um, thinking about going again. Mm. So it was, it was really examining why I was having this urge to move to Bali. What did I think that I was going to get there that I wasn't able to get here? 
you know was it that I really wanted to go there and you know focus on my career and yeah look, obviously it's beautiful and there's beaches and you know there's all there's all those obvious things but I have to really ask myself like well do you actually want to up sticks and go again or are you just delaying the inevitable because you're you're event I'm I am I know I'm eventually going to come back mm-hmm. so by upping and going like for somebody like me who's I'm comfortable with change I thrive in change it's actually uncomfortable for me to be stagnant so for me to be like oh you're actually not going anywhere for a while that was uncomfortable that felt suffocating um and yeah deciding that I was going to stop looking up where the best places to work as a digital nomad in Europe deciding to stop looking up the flights to Bali um, and actually just commit to being here. Mm-hmm. That was the hardest part um, because it's a funny kind of coping mechanism. Um, but I realized that that's what it was. It, you know, um, you can distract yourself with a lot of Google searches and you can spend a huge amount of time thinking about the next and where will you be next and thinking about how it might be different there and how you'll feel different there and you'll you'll have more you know I'll, I'll be more creative I'll be more x I'll be more y but all of that was just a distraction from actually being here so I think the hardest part was deciding to stop trying to go again and that doesn't mean that I'm deciding I'm never going to leave again mm. It's more of a commitment to, well, COVID obviously, <laughs> um, you know, put a stop to any real options of leaving. But at the same time, it wasn't about COVID. It was about me deciding, me making a commitment that actually, you know, you have to go through that. You have to go through the uncomfortable feelings. You know, you have to, if you want to feel settled here, you're going to feel unsettled first. Mm-hmm. and you're not going to get to a point where you feel settled if you keep thinking about going somewhere else like just even I suppose hearing you speak about that there's a sense of almost like surrendering to the letting go or surrendering to the emotions and allow them to rise up and meet with them and deal with them yeah yeah it was it was surrendering to what I was feeling and putting a stop to trying to distract myself from what I was feeling. Um, And I suppose for me, I write, I write poetry. So like, that's how I process a lot of what's going on for me. And sometimes I don't even realize what's going on until it comes out on the paper and on the page. And I'm like, oh, there you go now. I know you were feeling that. Um, you know so I did um, write a poem called Coming Home and I I know I shared that with you and so it might be if you're happy for me to read it it might be a nice way of kind of I think nearly summing up what what I was feeling in that coming home um, experience yes please read it out you sent it to me over the weekend and I absolutely love it please Okay, so I called it coming home. So here we go. Memories lived once, rehearsed a thousand times. Over there, 
imagining here and picturing it as it was and them as they were. But as with time difference, there is a difference in time and lives went on while we were out of the room. Leaving held infinite possibility, the unknown a prize portal. But if leaving is infinite, returning is finite somehow. The questions, assumptions, home for good now you are. It's about time for you to settle. Back and seated on the greener grass, yet glancing back at the now other pastures, anchored and untethered, the known unknown, the sure questionable, the familiar different, here, there. You cracked open the world and the splinters pointed you back, home to a place that will always be home, but a resident that will never be the same. Settling slowly once more into your place at the table on the invite list. Reaching for place in a place on pause, the, hold, the old haunts hauntingly closed, connecting at a distance when we had dreamed of the distance closed. The same old, same old is none the same, and the once known seems unknown somehow. Are you home for good now you are? Yet home and place reside within and aren't always together. Back in the land of a million welcomes with the Cade Melia possibilities it holds too, just like it held our place. Because we left, but we're not forgotten. And we're home, but we will not forget. Wow. I actually opened it up and like, as you were saying it, I was looking at the words. It's so, it's so poignant the way you capture all the emotions. And first of all, like amazing writing, like you are incredible, honestly, how you articulate motion and so creatively, you should be so proud of what you've created. You know, the line that I asked that made me kind of stop and think was this one, you cracked open the world and the splinters pointed you back home to a place that will always be home. Like, mm. you cracked open the world and the splinters pointed you home. Like, that's powerful. Mm. What did you get from that? What did that make you feel or what? Did, did that relate to you in some way? Yeah, I suppose. So yeah, when I saw that line, it really, I suppose, what I kind of interpreted was, and how it related, I suppose, to my experiences, I I cracked open the world, but I also had to crack open my own um, chasm of emotions that I was running away from. Mm, I don't have an answer because because <laughs> I don't think there is an answer. Um, I think the beauty of poetry is that people interpret it in different ways. Mm. Um, and I think that the real beauty of poetry is that it often doesn't give you answers, it gives you more questions. Um, mm. And that can be frustrating, but it can be powerful because it makes you look at things in different ways. Um, and it's always interesting when someone, uh, you know, connects with certain lines in your poem because it's funny it's never it's very rarely the, the lines that you think people will connect with you know mm. um so it's it's um I just was curious as to you know what was it like what did that bring up for you mm. um and yeah it can sometimes just bring up more questions 
I think, yeah. So was poetry your tool then of processing the emotions of returning home? Poetry was part of it. Um, Journaling was a massive part of it. Um, Journaling has been a huge, uh, a really important tool for me for years. Um, And I love looking back and like tracking my life through my journals, like, and seeing the, like, you know, the growth and the change and the the days where you talk to yourself like you're fucking a piece of crap like and read that and be like whoa Jesus you were hurting yourself there you know and then looking at yourself talking yourself back like and bringing yourself back and bringing compassion to the pages and I think for me I'm gonna say mastering journaling and I don't mean that in a I know how to do it the right way <laughs> I don't mean that. I mean it in a way that I have figured out how to make it work for me and how how to use it as a tool to bring compassion to my life and to use it as a tool to vent when I need to vent, to to explore problems and to give myself space to go through them when I need to, but also to, you know, realize when some thoughts don't actually deserve that much headspace or that much paper space you know um and to be able to it's funny because when I look at my journals now compared to when I look at my journals from like seven years ago now I can see how much I more intentionally bring compassion to the pages like I have I will always um like I did I taught a journaling course, right? facilitated journaling course there um, a couple of months back and I'll be doing a masterclass again in a couple of weeks. But one of the tools that I would teach there or one of the strategies is, you know, to always finish with compassion. So no matter how much you write and even if you write for three pages and you're so hard on yourself and you're so negative that for those last four or five lines, you have to bring that compassion to the pages. So you have to bring that back to yourself and bring that kindness to yourself. Um, so journaling for me was really, really powerful tool. Um, when it came to deciding what to do, um, and when it came to yeah, being back here and uh, working through whatever was coming up by being back, and then poetry is kind of an extension of journaling for me in that it just is another way of expressing what's going on for me. Um, because sometimes it's ironic that I can find it hard to put things into words, but I can find it easier to put it into a poem. <laughs> I don't know how I can feel those two things at the same time, but um, yeah, so creativity, like I would work with, um, I would, you know, I was, you said at the start, I'm a creative coach, so I would both work with creatives, you know, on like mindset blocks and things like that when it comes to their own creativity, but I would also like encourage clients and stuff to use creativity as a way to express and a way to process you know what's going on for them because sometimes sometimes we just don't want to talk about it or sometimes it's too hard to talk about it but we can paint something that expresses it or we can you know write a song or listen to music that connects with whatever we're feeling on a really like really deep resonant place when words just won't do it yeah. Yeah, I love it. You should release a book of poetry. 
Well, it's I'm on it. Oh, I'm on it, girl. Good woman. Yes, Ina. It's my 2021 goal. I'm working on my collection at the minute. Good woman. Oh my god, that's yeah. is that an exclusive we have in the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can call it an exclusive. Yeah, <laughs> just means there's been more accountability now. I have to do it. And yeah, I'm working towards I'm working towards self-publishing um my journaling framework into putting that into a, a book um and also um my poetry. So I when it comes to you know that P of taking back the power and stuff like that, I was submitting poems and stuff to journals and it just wasn't happening. And I will keep doing that, but I suppose when when you're waiting around for someone to say it's good enough. You could be waiting around for a really long time. Um, and I just, for me, I didn't want to have this like collection of poems on a Google Doc that I couldn't put up online because once it's online, they won't take it in a journal. So I was like, no, I'm just going to take the power into my own hands now and publish something myself. It's always been a dream to have a book in my hand with my name on it. <laughs> so I'm just going to do it. Yes, go for it. I'm excited for you. Good woman, good woman. So... Ina, I suppose now that like you're finding your feet, you know, how do you feel now about moving home? Um, it's actually lovely to reflect now, um, again, at this point, um, where I really feel like I've come through the, the discomfort um, and I have reached that place of like acceptance of being home. Um, and I mean acceptance in the most positive way. Um, I don't mean it in a settling way. I mean it in a yeah, I'm home. I'm here. Mm. I want to, you know, I really appreciate having a really good support network around. I've got friends here who I met abroad. I've friends here from before, like from home. Um, I'm feeling really positive about Ireland now. It's easy looking out. The sun is shining today. Mm. Things feel like they're opening up again. Um you know, it's exciting to see what Dublin will be like and what Ireland kind of has to hold um, when COVID eventually decides to uh, take a hike, which hopefully will be soon. Um, but yeah, the adjustment period for me, I think, has passed mm-hmm. and I feel much more settled. And yeah, as I said, I'm not going to my I'm not going to my tried and true uh, coping mechanism of skyscanner searches yeah so for me that's a very good sign yes for sure you know recently now I like I listen to podcasts all the time like I think I listen to podcasts more than I I watch Netflix I know everyone watches Netflix but I actually do spend so much of my time listening to podcasts I just love them so much and like I do listen to a lot of podcasts that are based in Ireland and I re and I mentioned this to you at the weekend I sense there's a real shift happening at home in like priorities and mindset and I suppose like appreciation for nature health and well-being like mental health is really coming to the fore now and like people are being proactive like they're I can just see that people are becoming um more willing to have hard conversations but also um be the change they want to see like I actually get excited about the thought of moving home now I know we've we've spoken about the challenges and the very real side of moving home 
But when I hear these different conversations, I get I get a sense of a new Ireland in a positive sense. Yeah, well, I think that that stigma around mental health is something is something that has been chipped away at over the last couple of years. Um, it's a long time coming um, and we're not there yet in lots of ways, but there is in more mainstream like conversations, there is so much more openness around um, you know, around going to counseling, around, you know, even like interest in people taking up journaling, um, people doing personal development, you know, courses. Um, if COVID did nothing else, it made us sit with ourselves. It made us slow down um, stop being distracted by being pulled and dragged in every which way. And it made us have to be with ourselves. And I think for some people, probably for everybody, but for some people, sitting with themselves was uh, something that maybe they hadn't done uh, for a long period of time or that they found difficult. Um, because when you are with yourself without distractions, a lot of stuff can come up. Um, and I think that COVID forced people to come back to themselves and to um, maybe see what's important and gain some perspective. Um, and yeah, it'll be really, really interesting to see uh, what things are like when they open up again. You know, that mindset shift, whether that stays shifted, um, you know, but there's no, there's a, there's definitely um, a whole new kind of um, generation who are coming up with um, a different mindset around talking about things and being open about things and um being more accepting and tolerant and um all of those good things yeah um, and I think our generation is also um yeah part of that change 100% and I can even see it with like even now like I know it's different when there's covid happening and i suppose things are closed but like people are doing more adventurous things that are just still on their doorstep that they they're shocked at what they can do um out in the outdoors and like i can see people appreciate appreciating that more so i suppose what's next for you now ina <laughs> i think the what's next question is so funny because i'm so always focused on what's next um what's next next is focusing on a couple of my own kind of creative projects. Like I mentioned earlier, I really want to just enjoy a kind of creating and seeing what that process of like bringing um, creations like to all the way through the process to uh, a product and selling them. Um, continue with my coaching. Um, I have a couple of kind of career things that are like, brewing that we will see where the, all of that goes but what's next really is enjoying the summer for what it will bring 
making the most of the people that I have around me. Like I turned 30 last week and I was just blown away by like how special I felt. It was just so lovely. Um, just a reminder of like, thank you. Just a reminder of like the really good people that I have in my life. So just, I suppose, appreciating them and spending time with them and not focusing too much on what's next. Yeah. Well, I'm always focusing on what's next, but not to, to the extent that I'm like not here. Yeah. No, that sounds so exciting. Mm. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good. It's nice to be working towards a couple of goals just like for me. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, Ina, we should go into our quick fire round. Okay. Bring it. <laughs> Does this mean I can't ramble at all? Does this mean I have to have short answers? I get a stopwatch out, will I? <laughs> 10 seconds per answer. <laughs> right. Okay. Go for it. Go with your intuition. All right. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about a person? Uh, their like openness, like that, like their energy, yeah, like their like their energy, their openness, their like curiosity and like wanting to, you know, just that sense of somebody wanting to be there with you and wanting to like, you know, just openness to whatever the world conversation, um, whatever you're in yeah openness yeah i like that okay i don't know if I'm, i don't know if it makes sense but we're going with it it does no it does 100 percent. it does make sense i think you are very open by the way like you've actually like described yourself there well maybe i'm projecting <laughs> <laughs> we won't overthink it <laughs> we won't overthink it you can cut that bit if you want <laughs> oh i love it you crack me up girl. <laughs> All right, Ina, so habits that have improved your life? Uh, journaling, uh, talking to people, including therapists, and uh, well, I always exercised. So exercise has not been a part of my life very much during COVID. So I know I need to get back to that because that definitely improves my life. Very good, very good. What is on your bucket list? Um, loads of like weekends around Europe because I feel like I haven't got to see Europe and South America um, and my book, having a book published. Yeah, that's major. That's going to mm-hmm. be an amazing achievement. What are you most grateful for? Uh, people people I have around me and I am grateful that I have turned into a very brave person I feel I feel like I'm like courageous in terms of like going for things and I'm really grateful that that is how I've turned out yeah oh I love that you can actually see that in yourself though because there's I'm sure there's people that don't see that within themselves. I love that you see that in yourself. I think it's important that we're able to say these things about ourselves. Like, yeah, because there's this sense here that, you know, oh, geez, someone's full of themselves or whatever. I'm like, no, we should be able to say really positive things about ourselves and we need to be able to give ourselves credit. It's so important. 
Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, has there been any content that's been significant for you that's influenced you that could be a book or a documentary or an inspiring person? Mm. Uh, I did a foundation course in counseling and psychotherapy about eight years ago, and it literally opened me up to the world of like personal development, psychology. Um, and now my bookshelves are just like I've just been immersed in it since. Uh, we talked already about Brene Brown, so definitely her work on like vulnerability, courage, shame. Um, and there's certain like poems that I come back to. So like, for example, Brendan Kennelly's poem, Begin. The last three lines are my, I think probably my favorite lines of poetry ever. And um, I come back to them when things are tough. Um, so it's like, uh, in a world that dreams of ending, that always seems about to give in, something that will not acknowledge conclusion, insists that we forever begin. Wow. And I just think it's unreal, like, you know, the sun will rise again tomorrow, we can start again, we can always go again, you know, every time we feel like things are kind of crashing down around us, you know, there's something in us as humans, like an amazing resilience that gets us up to go again. And yeah, I think I love those lines. Wow. They're very, yeah, they're very powerful. Favorite song, Ina? Um... When I'm looking for a bit of a boost, I go for all the like cheesy numbers from like Frozen or like The Greatest Showman, like the cheesier, the better, you know, this is me or like Into the Unknown. I won't burst into song here now, like, but they'll oh, give me a give us when I need it. Oh, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> Great choices, though. Great song choices. Love definitely that. not cool definitely not cool but like you know we'll be honest here <laughs> well Ina I'm going to ask you one last question if you could if you could say one sentence to let's say expats who are now um deciding to move home or they've made the decision to move home what would you say to them if they're listening I would say that Come, come home with an open mind um, and don't leave behind all that you've learned and all that you've become while you've been away. You can bring that back and you can approach life here in a whole new way. Um, and it can be, it can still be an adventure. Yeah. I feel like that's been the theme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, Ina, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I have adored every second of this chat. Honestly, you're a breath of fresh air. You're so honest, authentic. And yeah, I just love it. I love chatting to you here. Honestly, thank you so much. No, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Jeez, we talked for a long time. So um, yeah, if, if, anybody's, if anybody's listened this long, I really appreciate it. <laughs> this is what happens when you get two women together who love voice notes. <laughs> exactly, 100%. Oh, well, thank you so much, Ina. I appreciate it. And oh, tell us where we can find you on social media. Um, you can find me on Instagram at underscore the creative life. And um, my website is 
inameher.com. Okay. And I'll add them into the show notes anyway for everyone to um, get access to. Okay. Wonderful. Thanks, Ina. Thanks, Eilish. Thank you.